0: Welcome to Vintage McCoy. I'm Pastor Rick Brown, filling in for the uh, famous Rob McCoy, who's on the road. And I have a wonderful guest, and we had so much fun in our last edition. We didn't even get to the topics that I really wanted to talk about, but here is Eric Metaxas. We're going to have a great time, aren't we, Eric? You're not Rob McCoy. I was
1: told I was doing a podcast with Rob. Rob and I are friends. Now, did did Rob give you permission to, to do this? He did. All right. He That's did. Fine. So as long as you'll stay and won't run I'll off. I'll stay. I'll stay. All right.
0: I'll stay. stick around. We're going to have a lot of fun. Kairos, this is your moment. Liberty is not man's idea, it's God's idea. We must participate in the public square. This is a moment in time that will define history as we know it. The furtherance of America as we know it. That's a powerful gift, freedom. And We're not gonna bow to tyranny. This isn't me standing, it's us. This is the moment for the body of Christ. We pray that there would be an awakening and a revival in the nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome back. Our time with Eric Metaxas is, I'm just having a
1: lot of fun, Eric. That's the goal good fun. <laughs> fun. it's the arbiter uh, for me it's the arbiter if I'm having fun like that's that's the goal yeah. and, and you warned me you're well
0: traveled and a little bit rummy so this is a you may say things that I'm, are scary it's okay
1: I had a lot of vodka like right before I got here I'm <laughs> messed up man I'll say anything um no I'm'm I'm, I'm thrilled to be here it's cool to be in California because I'm you know meeting all these heroic pastors I mean I, I know Rob McCoy but I'm meeting others. James uh, Cadiz and uh, Greg uh, Denham, and just yeah. it's just really fun for me to get yeah. to meet my my brothers on the other coast. Such a blessing. Well, yeah. Eric has been a uh, author for years, yeah.
0: and um, you also have the Eric Metaxas Radio Show on Salem. Yes,
1: and people that- can find me on YouTube, on Rumble, and I say to everybody, I beg everybody, go to my website, it's my name, ericmetaxas.com, Everything is there. You can sign up for my newsletters where I send I send the videos out because some stuff's on Rumble, some's on YouTube. When I'm really controversial, I don't put it on YouTube. It's just, shh, don't tell anybody. But uh, it's kind of cool to to be able to do, it's really a TV program. TBN airs it as a TV program on the weekends, but I, I just put it out. Um, uh, everything I do on the radio, I do as a video as well, kind of like uh, this, Yeah, yeah. That's great. So we are going to talk, and you're spending the
0: whole weekend with us, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, here at God Speak in yeah. Thousand Oaks, and we're excited about that. And you're going to be signing books for your new book, yeah. Fish
1: Out of Water, yes. which is the search for meaning of life, basically your story. Yeah, well, it's, it, the title is Fish Out of Water, A Search for the Meaning of Life, and it is the story of my life up until Jesus punched a hole in the sheetrock and said, here I am, because I was lost. I was not some big sinner or whatever. I was just really lost. Uh, And around my 25th birthday, um, God came into my life just in a way that the only way to describe it is it was miraculous. It was a genuine miracle without which I don't know where I would be today. And so for years, I've wanted to tell the story of coming to faith. But I said, in order to tell the story, I've told the story of my life up to that point, because... God spoke to me in a dream, which maybe some people have theological problems with because I'm not a Muslim. Only Muslims are allowed to get saved in dreams. Did you know that? Not Uh, so, Let's not not get into that. (laughs) But but God spoke to me in a dream in 1988, and that's the culmination of this story because it was so, I mean, it really was genuinely miraculous. And I was one of these people, I was so intellectually gummed up because I went to Yale where, you know, people think, oh, Yale. These places are so spiritually dark that we need to understand, like we're we're educating people away from the truth. That's right. And I was lost, and I was, uh, you know, I was a good person, a good kid. I, but I didn't know. Does life have meaning? Much less, what is the meaning of life? Does life even have meaning? Is there a God? If there's a God, can we even know who that is? I was so intellectually gummed up, as I say, that I realized that God, in His mercy, spoke to me through a miracle, through a dream and it was game over. I mean it was so can you miraculous. That dream I will I can... will I I I will on the maybe on the other side or something cuz okay. it's kind of complicated. Okay. But I said in okay. order for the dream to make sense, I have to tell the story of my life because there are parts of my life that God wove in the dream so magnificently that it absolutely blew my mind. I mean there was no doubt in my mind, Jesus is Lord, my life my search is over. I yeah. found what I didn't even know you could find, wow. which is love and truth and and God. And so, but I wrote the book, I want to say this up front, I wrote the book uh, as something that believers, Christians, can give to non-believers. In other words, there are a lot of good people like me, who I was back then, just lost. They don't know what they think. And if you give them a really Christian, Christian book... Yeah. They might be polite and say, "Oh, thank you very much, but they, in the, they're thinking, well, this is not for me. I'm not, this is not who I am. I wanted to write a book for those people yeah. so that you can give it to somebody and say, look, th- th- it's funny. I mean, a lot of it is flat out hilarious stories, true stories that are just, you won't even believe them. And I'm telling you, there's not a syllable of exaggeration. Mm-hmm. These are all true, crazy stuff. Yeah. And I said, I want to write this, and I want it to be entertaining and a good read and hopefully well-written. I pride myself as a literary writer. I wanted this to be a work of art, but that tells these stories. And only at the very end, once the reader has kind of bought into this whole thing, do I tell the ending, which is the Jesus thing. So if you give the book to somebody who likes to read but is not on the page that we are theologically, don't tell them the punchline. Just give it to them and, and see what they think because this is an honest search. I was just lost floating along. I wasn't looking for Jesus. I wasn't looking for God. I didn't even know, is that real? I, you know, people are asking the question, is it real? If they knew Jesus was Lord, they wouldn't really be looking for him. They would have found him, you know. It's people that they don't know what to think, they're getting a lot of mixed messages. I was one of those people, and so I have a lot of compassion for folks. That don't get it, and so I wrote this book in many ways for those people. Now I think anybody will enjoy it, and I know that the greatest compliment you get as a writer is people say that I cried, or I I, I laughed so hard that I cried. That to me is the, the greatest thing that I could ever hear, and I've gotten a lot of that from this book. And I didn't know what I had until you know I kind of you get it out there. But that makes me real happy that people like I'm getting emails from people that I, my family is dying with embarrassment because I'm on the beach howling with laughter and everybody's looking at me because i'm reading your book i'm thinking thank you like yeah. that that makes me feel great about the book because listen it, it, laughing is a, is a beautiful thing and i really think that uh it's healthy for us to laugh and i tell stories on myself like you just look back at what an idiot you were you're so young that you you get in these situations and stuff so i, I it's all in the book a lot of embarrassing stuff yeah, yeah. very embarrassing some of it is very so,
0: embarrassing yeah. So your background is you are the son of immigrant parents.
1: Yeah, my dad, the, the cover of the book is my dad. It's picture of my dad at the Statue of Liberty in 1958. It was taken by my mother. They were on a date at the Statue of Liberty in 1958. So my mom took the picture, and it really sums up my story, because my, my father came from Greece, my mother came from Germany. They, they left, you know, war-torn Europe uh, for America. And they met in an English class in New York City. And they got married. Now, Greeks never marry non-Greeks. It's like it's never done. So it was like a big thing. And if you're raised by a Greek and a German, that means you will be raised Greek. And so we went to the Greek Orthodox Church. And you know the Greek ethnicity is so... Greeks are so full of pride about being Greek that uh, they uh, it's almost funny. And I mean, I, I, there are a lot of jokes in the book where I talk about that kind of stuff. But so I grew up in this Greek... Immigrant world, the Greek Church, and again, a lot of that is really funny. Like, there's just no doubt about it that it was just insane stuff that I that I lived through. Funny stuff, crazy stuff. Uh, we moved to Connecticut when I was nine, and so that for me was like entering America for from the first the, time. From Queens, from Queens, New York, to to Connecticut. Connecticut. So for the first time, it's like touch football, kickball, baseball, bike riding, building tree forts, like the whole American thing. That was new to me. So, that's a part of the book. And I did a lot of fishing growing up. That was my kind of my thing fly fishing and bass fishing and whatever. And it was just beautiful. And then, you know, the the dream of the American working class immigrant, whatever, I got to go to Yale University. Little did I know that the values that my parents gave me to love America, you know, to respect God, even though we weren't like evangelicals, but all of that, you go to a place like Yale and you're like, okay, so here I am working class, you know, I don't know anything. Tell me what's the, what's the meaning of life, uh, what's the story? And turns out that they don't, uh, you know, they didn't have the same uh, heartland values that my mom and dad taught me, but I drank that Kool-Aid. And by the time I graduated, I was pretty lost. I, was, I always say that, you know, uh, you know, part of what Yale and those kinds of places do is that they've already figured out that here's the secret. You want to know the meaning of life? Uh, The meaning of life is that there is no meaning. Uh, We evolved out of the primordial soup by chance. Like, you have no more value than a centipede. But we don't want to talk about that because it's depressing. So here's what we're going to do. We'll just, you know, uh, we'll have a few laughs and get a great job and work really hard and just don't think about the bleakness of a world without God. Don't think about it, you know? So I was an English major. I wanted to be a writer. Therefore, we already know I did not get a good job. I tried to be a writer. I floated. I drifted, whatever. If you float and drift out of college, by definition, you know what will happen. You will move back in with your parents. So I ended up back with my parents. They're looking at me like, we didn't get to go to college. We worked menial jobs, so you get to go to Yale. Why are you here? You know, like, what's going on? And I I always joke around that, like, the friends of my parents, I'm sorry, the friends of my uh, that I went to college with, like their parents would be like, oh, Eric's finding himself, you know. But my parents would be like, Eric should find himself a job and get out of here because this is, you know, it was like a hard, it's, I can laugh now, but, it, but it's the ending of the book, and it was really a dark time for me. I was really, really struggling. It was an awful time. And I got this horrible menial job, and I was just, it was just awful. But in the midst of this hell, God appointed somebody to start sharing his faith with me, and uh, at, work. at work? At work, and it, this horrible job. But he's sharing his faith with me, and this went on for months because I was kind of like, don't get near me with that weird Christian stuff, that kind of w- whatever. But at the same time, I was in enough pain that I was like, tell me a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit more. So this went on, this cat and mouse game went on for months, and then at the, the culmination of it, God came and spoke to me in this dream, and it was it, it was sufficiently miraculous that I have never... Looked back. I mean, if you have a real miracle, miracle, uh, it's really hard to say. Well, I don't know if that happened or I don't. know. I mean, look, it happened. It happened. It changed my life. Uh, I I was I went from being like I don't know about this stuff to diving in and you know starting to read well, the Bible. you never look back, do you? To, well, yeah. you know, I hope you don't look back, yeah. and I thank God that I haven't looked back. And yeah. you know, from that moment on. I knew and I'm gonna write about this in the sequel to this Mm -hmm. book because what happened after that I really did experience miracle after miracle where God proved himself to me over and over in in genuinely miraculous ways you know it wasn't all miracles but I experienced a number of real miracles Mm -hmm. and I thought people need to know God is alive today and he wants to speak to us and and you know this is who he is and he does that to underscore his character and his his life in our lives so that we, we think this isn't just some philosophy I bought into. He's real. He's yes. alive. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when that happened, when I had this miracle, I just was like, okay, Lord, what do you want to do with my life? I give yeah. myself to you totally. And he led me to write, you know, I wrote 30 children's books. I wrote, I worked for Veggie Tales. I worked for Chuck Colson. Uh, I, I did one of the voices on one of the Veggie Tales. Uh, and, and I, you know. God just opened these doors and then eventually uh, led me to write what we talked about last time, the biography about William Wilberforce, which opened the door to a biography of Bonhoeffer, which changed it changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had a very radical conversion
0: in my life, a very, um, by myself, the Lord, His presence. How, how filled old me. were you? I was 19. Whoa. And I was... Uh, I was half drunk, I had put a couple of drug deals together that morning and actually woke up in a home that morning uh, that I had to go out and find a street sign to know even where I was. And um, and on on a Sunday afternoon in February of 1984, I went home and I was pacing through the house and I had for months, I didn't know what was going on with me, but it was the Holy Spirit coming after me, but I was so miserable and under conviction for months. And uh, so as I'm pacing back and forth in the house. I had honestly never remembered praying in my entire life at the age of 19. I bowed my head. My parents, grandparents were Christians on both sides of the family. When they blessed the food, I bowed my head out of respect. But I personally had never prayed to God. And the Lord spoke to me in a still small voice and said, why don't you pray? It was so powerful, I laughed out loud. I'm all by myself. I laughed out loud and went, pray? Wow. And it's like I'm talking to myself. And as I said those words, pray, the, the presence of God filled the room. I fell to my knees and began to sob and confess my sin and ask Jesus into my life.
1: This is real. And, yeah, and this I'd is never, real.
0: It's so when you have those experiences, like the dream or the the supernatural aspect of a divine God that loves humanity it, and He intervenes. There's there's no mistake. It's too much it.
1: to bear. I mean, it's, it's it's and not everybody experiences these things, but it doesn't matter. God is, He He's the same, but He speaks to everyone differently. So that's, anytime anybody right. says. You know, well, I want this or it should happen this way or this way. I didn't have like a, a burden of sin. and it, I mean, everybody comes in a in a different way. That's right. And you can't make a pattern or a formula. The point is God is God. Jesus is Lord and he loves us individually and speaks to us individually. And he knows when to reach us. I mean, the fact that he reached you then. At that moment. He, he knew, you know, and... There's no, uh, it's the reason we're on the planet, right? That's right. It's why we're here. Yeah. And I don't even want to think about what would have happened if I didn't have this experience. But as I say, I, I wrote the book Fish Out of Water because I want to reach people who would say, oh, I don't know if that's for me or that's a little this or it's a little that. Yeah. And I, I was that person. I was that person. I remember just thinking, don't don't get near me with that well, weird stuff. Well, thank you for
0: leading the way because that was my heart. I've written my biography about 100,000 words up to the point of salvation in a radical, because I was raised by this crazy ex-convict that just got out of San Quentin from armed robbery and prison escape. When my mom married him, and wow. and I wanted it to be the same. I wanted I want to lead people yeah. in this incredible journey, yes. Yes. without a lot of preachy Christianese. see, that's the yeah. key. And and I want right. to lead them to the do- foot of the cross, right. and to fall in love with Jesus at the end of it. So thanks for leading the way. Oh yeah, that, that's awesome. When's that book coming out? I don't know. I have it written. I just paused you, after re- salvation. Okay. I'm not I'm not sure what to do. So. You're the guy I needed well, to. Well, we will talk from. about that privately. But yeah, honestly, yeah. that's wonderful. People need those stories. They It's wonderful. So let's back up a little yeah. bit and unpack a little bit of the. You're, uh, you've got a Greek father, you've got a German mother. Was there any language barriers for them?
1: Yes. That's why the book is called Fish Out of Water, because wherever I went, I felt like I didn't quite fit in. Because, you know, in the Greek community, in the Greek church, or whatever, I was never Greek enough. Because my mother's German, and at home, we didn't speak Greek. All the other kids spoke Greek at home. We spoke English, because my mother couldn't speak Greek, my father couldn't speak German, so we spoke English, right? So I knew some Greek, I knew some German, you know, my grandmother and my aunt, whatever. The German stuff was there, the Greek stuff was everywhere, but I never quite fit in. And then when we moved to Connecticut, where I'm around all these all-Americans like you, people look at you like, you know, you're this ethnic... You know, you're from the city, you know. And so again, I'm a fish out of water. And then I go to Yale and I'm a fish out of water. I'm the working class kid who's, you know, suddenly among these cultural elites that, you know, grew up in Park Avenue and stuff. And so I always felt like a fish out of water. And at the end of the book, the dream that Jesus, where Jesus speaks to me, uh, he reveals himself as the fish out of water. He's the one that leaves the water, that leaves heaven, to come to where we are to die. Oh, that's great. And it yeah. makes sense on so many levels, mm-hmm. but you realize that that he says I will become a fish out of water so that you will never be a fish out of water again. Mm. And he brings us back with him to heaven where we belong, which is, you know, we become the fish in water where where we were meant to be all along, but only through Christ coming here, where he doesn't belong, to die. I mean, it's it's this it's this amazing thing. But so God spoke to me in this kind of symbolic dream, but it was crystal clear because of my uh, because of my upbringing. What, you know what it what it meant, and I don't know. Maybe we'll in the next show we can I can give you the details because it's a little complicated. But mm-hmm. it was so miraculous. I said I've got to tell this story because there are people that they're not on the same page but they're going to read it and they're going to say okay i've been following this guy from birth to this point he's not making this up he's not lying wow you know this is interesting and i can't take credit this is god this is not me like i figured it out i figured out nothing (laughs) are your mom and dad still alive my mom and dad are still alive. I spoke to them last night, and and is this book at all troubling for them? Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, my <laughs> this father. This is my concern. This is my concern. My father with is, my book. Is, is hilarious. My father is ninety three, and he was saying to me, "Now he's on the cover of the book, right?" And he's and I was calling my parents constantly, asking them questions, like trying to remember little details and trying because I'm very exacting. If you read my Biographies of Luther, Bonhoeffer, and Wilberforce, I'm extremely exacting. I want to get everything exactly right, the dates and the places and whatever. And I always would find stuff in other biographies like, they got that wrong. I got to correct that. Okay. So in writing my book, I, I was asking my parents all these little questions. And my father would say, Look, You're not writing about that, are you? Or you're not writing about that, are you? <laughs> I've and, had the same experience with my parents. I'm calling them
0: to try to get this. And then they have different stories. I'm like, No, what? Look, yeah, no. right? You're,
1: try, you're trying to get it figured out, right? You, know, are you guys gonna be mad at me when I write this yeah, book? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, my attitude to my parents, first of all, first thing is, tough luck. Uh, I'm writing this book for a lot of people that need get over to hear it. this get stuff. Over it. That's number one. Number two, you both come out smelling like roses, so you're insane <laughs> if you've got a problem with what I wrote in this book. And I told my father, he's so funny. He's like worried, he's 93. Yeah. So I was like, Dad, what are you worried about? Like your reputation? You're gonna like lose work, or what, what, are, what are you worried about? And he's funny that way, right? And I said, Dad, let me break it down. You come out as the hero of this book. Mm-hmm. Like this book is a love letter to you about growing up and, and and the love that my mom and dad, they were not evangelicals, but the love I got from them was God's love. They didn't know it, maybe, but the yeah. love is love. And they loved me and whatever. So so I said to my father, This book, you're gonna be the hero of this book. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're gonna be famous because people wanna meet the guy. There's some very funny stories about my dad in the book. Like, I I consider them hilarious. I said, I've been telling all these stories my whole life. I've gotta put them in a book. But yeah, my parents were definitely like, huh, we're, you know, it must be kind of weird to be in a book, right? But, you know, that's tough luck, man. (laughs) So, uh, at your conversion, this also
0: is a very shocking time. For our, our folks, we get saved, and oh, radically and, saved. If, in my case, it was so, yeah, yeah. So I I want to hear that your the response of yeah. My we send our son off to Yale. Yeah, he's lost and floundered yeah. around, and now he loves Jesus. Now he's become what, a Jesus freak. What do we do? What with do we that? do? Well, right. can you imagine? In what year my, was this? Your this conversion. was eighty eight. Eighty eight. Okay.
1: My we're, we're like the same age. I think you might be you're younger than me, but I got to tell you, I was. Imagine this. My father took me to church every Sunday. Greek Orthodox Church. I never heard the gospel. Right. I never, you know, even though the people in the Greek community are the the sweetest people of, in my life, I, they're my friends to this day, but I wasn't raised like we read the Bible, where, you know, it was more like we're Greek, like we're Greek, we're <laughs> baptized, we're not Turks, we're not atheists, we're Greeks. Great, but then you go to a place like Yale, and you're like, uh, do I believe Jesus rose from the dead, really? I don't know. Do I believe uh, sex is just for marriage? Like, what do I be- I don't know what I believe. That's when you realize I didn't get the download, right? Yep. So when I had this experience at age 25, and I stupidly, as young people often do, I said to my father, like, I'm, I'm a Christian now, you know? And he's like, okay, so what were we doing like every Sunday when I drag you to church and you don't want to go? Like, what, what was taking to a mosque? To a Buddhist temple. Well, what was that? You weren't a Christian then, you know. And it is a little complicated, right? Because and they feel a sense of failure. Like, right. what, are you, what are you saying that right. you know Jesus more? I've taken you to church your whole life. Right. Well, the good news is this is all like what thirty-three years ago now. So in the last ten years, uh, for sure, my parents have. Uh, I mean, it was. It's been longer than that, but but I think over time they saw my life, mm-hmm. and so you know the twenty-five-year-old hothead you know, turns into the, 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 the 35-year-old less hot-headed, uh, you know, and the time passes and they just see like, oh, I get it now, it's a good thing. But I think I also had to frame it for them so that they could not be offended. I had, had to say like, look, I was not prepared for the secular world of Yale. Uh, it's not that uh, you failed me or that the church failed me. It's just that if you'd known what I was going into you'd realize you're putting me, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sheep among wolves. This is not, yes. you know, and I think there are a lot of kids, they think they're growing up in the church, but the fact is they're not prepared for for what they're headed for. So that's really was my my story. But, you know, both my parents, um, you know, they may not be quite where I am, but it seems obvious to me that they get it and yeah. that they didn't back then. But do there are a lot si- of people that go to have- church and they don't, they don't get it, you know. Do you have siblings? Uh, I don't have any siblings, but I have one brother. That was a joke, he's a sibling but uh, i call him my brother i don't say he's my sibling but uh the uh my brother yeah my brother you don't brother, like sibling the I, word. I, yeah it's just a funny word but uh my my uh my brother is in connecticut he's a year and a half uh younger than i am mm-hmm. and um you know yeah it's a it's a strange it's a strange thing when you have this powerful conversion experience because there are people that believe but they don't believe the way you do they're kind of like well you're really you know you really took this hook, line, and sinker. You've become a little bit of a fanatic. Can you talk about something else, you know?
0: Yeah, normal Christianity that you read in the New Testament is considered fanatical, radical. But it's
1: just, you read the New Testament, this is just normal Christianity. That's the problem. That's (laughs) called Christianity. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people think that they can live as functioning atheists, but they say, well, I'm a Christian, I sort of believe. Well, the devil also believes in God, so you're not really ahead of anybody there. You have to give your life to him, and you have to say, come into my life, and lead me for your purposes, that's why I'm here. And if you don't know that, you're missing the point of why you're here. Who wants to miss that? That's why I call the book, Fish Out of Water, A Search for the Meaning of Life. Does anybody want to miss the meaning of their life? No, no. like this is really important. Yeah, so Eric, I think as we wrap up this segment, I think you're in a, a great spot
0: to bring a word of encouragement to parents because parents raise their kids sometimes in you know nominal, Christianity, yeah. like a Greek Orthodox yeah. or yeah. Catholicism, or something that uh, their orthodoxy would say, "Hey, Jesus
1: died on the cross for your sins, was buried, rose." Yeah, from the theoretically, dead. they believe in that's all that, but they're just experientially not, they not are not bringing it home in a way right. that it's going to be life changing. Yeah. And if Meaningful. it's not life changing, do you really believe it? You know. So
0: we raise our kids, and every uh, we're so proud of our kids. They go to a nice college. They get a you know bachelor's degree. They get. A master's degree, they get a PhD, they go yeah. to a renowned school, yeah. Yale and Harvard. I mean, right. they're the pinnacle of sure. uh, American academia. Yeah, and yet, um, share just briefly oh, no. as a word of encouragement
1: for parents about okay, okay. what
0: they're going to go dismantle their people, faith uh, in academia. I, I will just
1: tell you, like yeah. you know, people say things to me like, "Oh, your daughter's really smart." Oh, your daughter's <laughs> really pretty. or you? Do, and I think, like, you know what? I couldn't care less about my daughter's IQ, about whether she's attractive or not, about whether she went to this college or that college, all of that stuff is less than meaningless. It is nothing. If you give your life to God, that means something. It does. You could be unattractive, you could be not at all smart, who cares? Those things are totally besides the point. Whether you give your life to Jesus and know him and want to walk with him, it's the only thing that matters. So when I see Christian parents thinking, my son got into this college and that college, I just think like, yeah. First of all, it's worth nothing. Second of all, it may lead him away from God. Is there anything worse than that? Is there anything worse than that? Not in my book. That's right. That's the the worst. thing. I wouldn't care if my son or daughter goes to college or any of that stuff. That's just totally worldly garbage. And as somebody who had the best of the worldly garbage, I can tell you... A place like Yale University is designed to make you a maniacal, Marxist, woke, you know, nut. That's right. And, and, and that's what we're seeing. That is just, I mean, it's kind of funny because that's the story of Wilberforce. In my Wilberforce book, I tell the story that he had a conversion like early on when he was like 11, 12 years old. And his mother and grandfather were horrified that their son became one of these, you know, in those days was an enthusiast, a Methodist, a you know, born-again Jesus freak. So they dragged him away from that and didn't even let him go to their dead church on weekends because they thought, this is a nightmare. We want our son to be a sophisticated, you know, we want him to go to Cambridge and blah, blah, blah. And that's exactly what happened to him. He became all that stuff and lost God. And God grabbed him around age 26. But all the stuff that the world values is absolute garbage. And I, I know that. I mean, if I ever had money I would never give money to Yale. Like, these places are, you know, I I just can't imagine. uh, I just want to say that there's so many people, Christians included, who put value in this stuff. Folks, you have no idea. It is just, it is really not. the, the, The values that the world has, I can speak from experience, they are genuinely bad. Like, it's not just like, well, it's not what it could be. Um, the, the, only, the only good thing about Yale is it gives me a credential uh, that I can use for God. And it gives me an ability maybe to reach people who say, well, that's interesting. He went to Yale, so maybe he has something to say or whatever. And, you know, and, and I learned to, le- to speak the language of that people group, in a sense, which is like the blue state, sophisticated New York, whatever. I, I speak that language. I know that world enough to be able to speak to people who in, and, and a lot of this book is like that I mean if you give this book to somebody who's like you know a, a blue state um, liberal I'm speaking their language that's who I am you mm-hmm. know but I found I found God and I found his values and so it's it's kind of like a missionary thing that you you know how to speak that language and how to communicate that way um for his for God's purposes yeah. Yeah. it's cross-cultural ministry <laughs> that is what it is yeah
0: <laughs> and that's the same you know raising my my kids that's all I was passionate about is them knowing Jesus and I would jokingly tell my son I don't care what you do even if you're you're work you know you're a garbage man you're picking up garbage and dumping it, in you make a good living you're content you're happy if you love Jesus that's all that everything that, that, that's everything else is icing
1: on the cake but I mean me. that is a yeah. fact people yeah. need to understand that is a fact yeah people is, don't really there's believe no it, doubt though. about that they don't well really, if you don't yeah. believe it then yeah. you you don't you, you're you're missing it because yeah. that's that is totally true. There are pe- listen, there are people in China right now who are being horrifyingly persecuted for their faith in Jesus. And they're willing to be persecuted because they know he is life. He's worth it. He is not making your life better. He is life. Yes. That is true. Yeah. And if you know that, it'll get you through anything. That's right.
0: And, and Paul said, I count all these things as rubbish. That's right. For the excellency of yes. the knowledge of And Christ. that's what I was
1: thinking of when I mentioned yeah. Yale and all the stuff like, trust me, New York Times bestseller. Who... <laughs> cares. The New York Times has become like a Marxist tabloid. Who wants their endorsement? Well, I really don't (laughs) at this point, yeah. Well, I think that's a great place
0: to stop here, and then uh, we'll launch into our next segment. What do you think? I love it. Hey, God bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Here with Eric Metaxas, looking forward to another edition. So, uh, load us up tomorrow.
1: Hey guys, thanks for watching. For more information, head over to VintageMcCoy.com or follow us on Instagram at The Vintage Report. We'll see you there.